The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Advent is from Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and just decrees that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I've never seen a calf go leaping when it's set loose from its stall. And so I did what any self-respecting millennial would do. I looked it up on YouTube. I don't know whether calves are actually joyful or not, but they sure do look it. To watch a calf let loose from its stall, you can practically feel the excitement in their muscles, the sight of so much space and so much green, and at the smell of such fresh air. It is a great image for us this morning because it captures this sense of involuntary, uncontrollable happiness. I think that grown-ups tend not to express such excitement most often. I think we tend to be much more moderate in our enthusiasm. I think that we find it to be a bit embarrassing to cut loose and get swept away in the excitement. Little children don't have that same problem. They don't suffer from such embarrassment. You've probably seen a little child literally jumping up and down with excitement. It's contagious, and you can't help but smile. It is the embodiment of joy. It's that kind of joy, that kind of excitement that is awaiting us on the day of the Lord. That may seem counterintuitive, given some of the things that we heard Malachi and Jesus say about the day of the Lord. But God is painting for you in his word a picture of a life in him that is full of color and bright. A life that makes the life of this world seem drab and uninspiring. But you have to have the eyes to see it. You have to have the eyes of faith. You have to believe what God says about this world, what he says about you. And especially you have to believe his promises in Christ Jesus. You have to have a heart that's been prepared with the rough places made smooth and the crooked made straight, every mountain and hill made low. To prepare your hearts, God has given you the preaching of his word, the preaching of his kingdom. He sends you his Holy Spirit by his word to bring you to repentance and faith, to bring you at long last to the joy and gladness of his saints. But you have to know from the outset that this joy and gladness, the joy and gladness of the kingdom of God, they are not like the joy and gladness of this world. 
For one thing, they are not fleeting. The joy and gladness of the kingdom of God are not here for a moment and then gone the next. They are eternal. But they are also not yet complete. They are promised to you. You experience, him, you experience him, them now. You experience the joy and gladness of the kingdom now, but you experience them in the midst of trials and afflictions. You experience them through the cross. You see them as through, as through a glass dimly. To give a sense of what this means, I want you to consider this morning the story of Zechariah. On Wednesday of this week, at the midweek Advent service, we read from Luke chapter 1. We read the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah while he offered incense in the temple. This story is perhaps a little bit less familiar to them than the one that comes right afterwards, the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, telling her that she would have a son. But Gabriel appeared to Zechariah for exactly the same reason, to tell him that he would have a son. And it would be miraculous, just as it was for Mary, who was a virgin. It would be miraculous for Zechariah because his wife Elizabeth was barren, and they were both quite old. Zechariah didn't believe what the angel said, and so Gabriel shut his mouth until the child would be born. When the child was born, Zechariah had to write on a tablet because he couldn't talk, and he wrote, his name is John, just like the angel had told him. John, who would be called the baptizer, because he stood in the wilderness wearing a leather belt and a cloak made of camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey, and baptizing people with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. His was to be a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord, preparing the way for Jesus. It's good to think about this story for a minute because there's something peculiar about the message that the angel Gabriel brought to Zechariah. It has to do with joy. This is what Gabriel said. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. You will have joy and gladness, Gabriel promised. Naturally, they'd have joy and gladness at the birth of a son. At long last, after they'd given up all hope, naturally, they'd be joyful and glad. But listen to what the angel said. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. This is beyond the ordinary joy that comes with the birth of a child. This is the joy that taps into something greater, something bigger, something more than just two parents and a child, something more than nine months' expectation, something deeper than a happy family. He will be great before the Lord. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. John would be the very fulfillment of that prophecy we heard from Malachi this morning. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. This prophecy was fulfilled in John, and he was the sign that the Lord's day was at hand. John's birth was the sign that the redemption was drawing near, the redemption that had been promised so long ago, that the salvation promised to the people of Israel was imminent for those who fear God's name. 
For those who were waiting for God's kingdom to come, John's birth was the first light of dawn after a long and woefully dark night. And that was the reason for such great joy and gladness. But again, the joy and gladness, this joy and gladness, would not be of the world. They would be the joy and gladness of the kingdom of God. If you know something about John's life, you know what a character he seemed to be. He was like all the prophets that came before him. Beyond his words, his very life was prophetic. He stood calling people out, away from a corrupted religious institution, away from the man-made traditions that had taken the place of God's word, away from the hypocrisy that infected their service of God. He called them out into the wilderness, to a desert place, to a place without glamour and comfort, to a place where God's word would sound clear and pure, where God's word would be their food and drink, where God's word alone could be their comfort. And he called them to repent, to turn around, to rend their hearts and mend their ways. Already the axe is laid at the root of the tree, he said. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, or the tree will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. That does not seem like a joyous message. John sounds like a fanatic, like a street corner preacher with a sign saying, the end is near. He's the kind of guy that makes people react, to be sure, but with annoyance and anger and ridicule, not joy. How would you feel? Would you be joyful and glad if you were Zechariah, if John were your son? The scribes and the Pharisees didn't like it. Neither did Herod. King Herod threw John in prison because John had preached against him. Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife as his own, and John said that it was wrong, unlawful. And so he was thrown in prison. And then one terrible day, an executioner was sent, and John was beheaded. And the voice crying in the wilderness was shut up once and for all. Where was Zechariah's joy then? Where was his father's gladness? Some benefit it was to Zechariah that John should go in the spirit and power of Elijah. Nobody liked Elijah. King Ahab called him the troubler of Israel because he preached repentance. John fared no better than Elijah in the courts of Herod. There's no apparent joy in being a troubler, in being the guy who says things nobody wants to hear. Where is his father's joy? Where is Zechariah's gladness now? It's important to have this whole picture of John's life because the joy and gladness that Gabriel foretold are not the joy and gladness of the world. They are the joy and gladness of the kingdom of God. They are the joy and gladness that Paul describes in Romans, like we heard this morning, when he blesses his hearers by saying, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The joy and gladness of the kingdom of God are the joy and gladness of faith. This is what we pray for every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray, Thy kingdom come. Luther asks in the small catechism, How does God's kingdom come? And this is the answer. God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe that by his grace we believe his holy word 
and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. The joy and gladness of the kingdom of God are not found in things that are seen and the stuff of this world that you can possess or grasp. They are not found in your success or what you can accumulate. They are not found in your own sense of pleasure or your own joy at your life. The joy and gladness of the kingdom of God are not found in those things. Those things all go away. They'll be burned up on the last day. The joy and gladness of the kingdom of God are not found in the cares of this life, which distract you so that you lose sight of the coming day. The joy and gladness of the kingdom of God are found through faith, in the hope that what was spoken by the prophets has been fulfilled in Christ. They're found in the hope that what was promised to God's people in the death and resurrection of Jesus will be delivered to them, to you, in full on the last day. That the forgiveness, life, and salvation pledged in God's word for those who believe is sure and certain. As sure and certain as the word itself, which will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. All the things you see around you will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. It is that word which brings the kingdom of God. And the hearts that believe it, those are the ones that are filled with joy and gladness. That is the joy and gladness spoken to Zechariah, who could rejoice, not just at the birth of his son, and even in spite of the harrowing life and death that lay ahead of him. He could rejoice because he knew that by his son, God was beginning to do the great and mighty deeds needed to redeem this sinful world. Zechariah sang a song after John was born. You see it in our hymnals, actually. It's right after the Te Deum that we usually sing, that we'll sing this morning. We call it the Benedictus. Zechariah sings a blessing. And in this song, Zechariah confesses that his joy and gladness at the birth of his son are bound up in the great and glorious works of the Lord. He rejoices that through his son, even in spite of his suffering and death, even in spite of the apparently terrible life that lay ahead of him, God was preparing the way for Jesus. God was preparing hearts to receive the riches of the kingdom of God, the joy and gladness of the kingdom of God. Listen to Zechariah's song. This is what he said. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, you, John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. How beautifully Zechariah now believing, even though he doubted before, how beautifully he captures the joy and gladness spoken to him by the angel. That is the joy and gladness we have as well. 
We who hear Malachi speaking of the coming day, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble, that day that shall set them ablaze and will leave them neither root nor branch. When we hear Malachi speaking of that day, we have joy and gladness, because for us, who fear God's name, that day will be like the first day of spring, after a long winter, when the calves go out leaping from their stalls, when the sun shines and its rays melt the snow and ice. That is the picture you should have in view this Advent season as you stay awake, watchful for the coming of the Lord. That is the joy and gladness awaiting you. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus forevermore. Amen.